Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I have Lee Thistlewaite and he is here to share with us about risk management for families of wealth and family enterprises. I'm so excited to to really dig deep into this topic because when we think of risk sometimes we just think of it in terms of banking and finance we don't really think about how risk can be spread out across the various sectors of our lives and how it really impacts us welcome lee and thank you for joining me thank you for asking me and so i'm gonna i'm just gonna ask you to introduce yourself to my audience so that they know who you are and what you do and why we're discussing risk with you today All right, Um, I've been uh, involved with families of wealth in a consultancy uh, uh, position um, for the last um, 16 years. Uh, And I've worked with families uh, from all over the world, different nationalities, um, different age groups. Um, And my consulting work is really focused on four particular areas of which risk is one, and that's obviously the topic we are going to discuss um, right now. The other three that um, I spend a lot of time on uh, with with my families, uh, they come and go, some of these these particular issues. One is strategy. Um, Very often you can have a lot of money and a lot of wealth, but you're not actually sure um, just how you want to position that going forward and what you want to do with it and what it means to you and to your family. Um, There is uh, the issue of governance in terms of um, making sure you have structures around um, your various organizations uh, that are reaching good decisions after good discussions, if I could put it that way. Um, And and the other one, um, which of course doesn't necessarily happen every day, but when it does, it has large ramifications, is succession. And we all know we are mortal. And if uh, one of the principal wealth creators, let's say, or one of the principal family members who's been responsible overall for the family wealth passes on, uh, then that will inevitably have some repercussions for those that follow in terms of fulfilling uh, what the family wants to do. So in brief, that's what I've been doing. I'm based in, in the UK. Um, in the lovely old city of Bath, and uh, I'm very pleased, Titi, to uh, to join you today on the subject of risk, and I think risk management for families of wealth and family enterprises. Excellent, and um, I must say that um, from the discussions we've had before, I really enjoy our talks and um, the wealth of experience you bring to these conversations um, is second to none. So today we're talking about risk. My first question would be, can you define risk? I know, like I said in the beginning, that when people think of risk, they're thinking around 
oh, that's to do with investments and that's to do with finance. It's got probably got nothing to do with me as a wealthy family. Well, I have an investment manager to take care of that. What really is risk? Yes, and, and it is really the fundamental question. Um, and quite naturally, I would say, most people, as you just described it, Sitsi, would, would feel, oh, I understand what the risks are. They're all to do with my investment portfolio or, or financial risks or whatever it may be. If I just go through it in, a, in an introductory way, um, they, they fall into four different categories in a way. Um, there are risks which we know about, uh, we can minimize um, and even eliminate. That's one group. Uh, there, are, there are risks that you may be fully aware of, but you've not developed anything to reduce them or eliminate them. You just mm -hmm. say, well, you know, I, that's, that's there, but so be it, I've got other things to do. Mm. And then you've got risks which you may not have even realized exist and should be identified and should be addressed. That's a worry. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, <laughs> there are risks which we have to separate out, which are ones that you can manage yourself and your family, and therefore you should be doing that. But there are risks that are way outside our control, political risks, uh, macroeconomic risks, financial risks, whatever it may be. It's useful to know what those are so that you can do the best you can, but you've got no control over those. Mm -hmm. So if you start with that fundamental thought process, then you can look at your own world as it is and realize that you've got risks that are not just associated with your investments, um, but they are associated with your businesses, with your family, uh, with things like the movement of technology um, and what that does. And then you can begin to categorize and organize them appropriately and then see what you can do about managing them appropriately. Okay. So as we're looking at that, there are typical structures associated with families of wealth. Before we discuss those typical structures, I would like to first discuss the typical risks which families of wealth face today, because those will then heavily impact the critical structures associated with family wealth. Okay, so let's start, if you will, no, no, uh, no level of importance necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. Investment risk, if you talk about a family's wealth, very often you can be in, in simple terms say, well, I have investments of all sorts of, of, of different uh, categories, mm -hmm. uh, but I also fundamentally have a business and the business is really tied up in my, the principal amount of my wealth. Um, each of those in their own right, the investments, um, they have their set of risks that need to be understood when you're investing, how the decisions are made about which sort of investments you want to make, what sort of processes are going to be in place to manage those investments effectively. Then if you've got a, a family business or other businesses that you own or control, again, understanding what those business risks may be, which are going to be very particular to whatever that business may, may be in. If you are a ship owner, you've got one set of risks. If you are in the retail business, you've got a completely different set of business risks, but you need to know what those are 
and indeed know how to manage them and deal with them. Then you've got across the board in a way management risk. You, know, you are in a family and a family group, but you are always going to have people who you wish to employ, who are going to work in your businesses, work in your family office, let's say managing your family investments. All of, all of that relating to those people is key. You mm -hmm. want to make sure that you've got people who are skilled, mm -hmm. who are loyal and trustworthy, which is absolutely fundamental, mm -hmm. uh, and that you and your family members are, insofar as it's possible, integrated to a degree where you are following and understanding what's going on in the different entities. Mm. Family risk. And sometimes this is not addressed possibly as, as much as it should be. All of us have individual and unique families, whether you've got wealth or not. But there are always risks in, in a family of wealth, then you've got other risks as well that you need to think about. And if I just give you some of the ones that are, that are, are quite common and, and, and quite uniform across a, a number of, of very wealthy families, um, you could see sibling rivalries, uh, the control that's exercised by the wealth creator, or maybe someone who is in the, the sort of primary position, not necessarily the creator of the wealth, but that particular person, second, third generation, whatever. In today's world, very often you've got families that have got three, even four generations, but certainly three generations where you've got the younger generation in their 20s uh, and you've got an older generation in their 80s or even their 90s still participating and they're going to be very different views. Um, mm. I can think myself of, of, of my children and their ability to, to, to look at technology through their iPhones and keep berating me for not understanding this or that or the other and that technology risk is going to be there right across the board. Um, health matters. We're very conscious of that right now in the world. Um, we, can't, we can't avoid that. Key man risk, whether that is again, a key person in the management of a company that you've, you've employed this person to, to, to run, or whether it's in the family office, um, that is another thing that, that comes up. And of course, as I've mentioned already, you're always gonna have succession issues. Mm -hmm. So those are your family risks. Uh, one uh, other risk which, becomes related so much is and a key one that's related in the world of technology and indeed the world of social media which can have you know a very devastating boomerang effect if I can use that expression uh, if you're not paying attention and that is reputation risk mm -hmm. and it's it's one that one has to manage and be aware of all of us have a reputation, but if you have within your own country, within your own continent, a name that is well-known, particularly say in retailing, um, then, you know, if something is then in the media that is not a nice story, whether it is right on or, or whether it is inaccurate, and unfortunately we live in a world of that horrible expression, fake news, uh, this, particular risk is one that, that I would stress that one just needs to think about and recognize and you're not immune from it. And it comes through, if you will, technology and what technology is doing. All of you 
are not immune and all of you in every single family mm -hmm. will be using technology effectively to some degree. It's not going to be going away. It's always moving forward. And it's there in many instances to benefit your business um, in, in a very constructive way. But it can also be devastating. And of course, you know, technology through social media in particular uh, can be uh, very negative in terms of what I've just spoken about in terms of reputation. And the last one I would, would touch on is coming again from technology and what people can do with technology in, in a very uh, mercurial and, and very uh, devious way. And that, that is what I would, would highlight as data protection. Mm -hmm. Everybody who is up to no good and you've got a well-known name and they know that you've got a lot of money somewhere in some bank account or whatever, or whatever the data may be that they can use in some way of blackmail or whatever it may be, you need to be aware of that. And therefore, in terms of, of particularly in the family office and the family um, material that obviously should be extremely private and only available to your closest family members and closest employees, you want to make sure that the systems that you're using are absolutely watertight and are not going to be in any way undermined. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, this is um, a lot of risk that people probably haven't even thought of and um, haven't even really taken time to understand could impact them themselves as a family as individuals and also the, the wealth that the family has. Now, looking at that and going back a little bit, what are the typical structures associated with family, families of wealth that could be impacted by all these risks that they face? Well, I would break these down um, into four groupings, if you will. And mm -hmm. as we've said already, um, every family is unique. And, but I would say that the level of wealth in, in absolute terms, plus uh, how you construct your family in terms of, of who is part of that family, um, the jurisdictions that family members live in, all of that constitutes the word complexity. And when you've got complexity, then you need to focus on good structures that take care of that complexity and are well organized. So the four groupings that I think about uh, in answer to this question, which, which, some, uh, which maybe some are relevant to your family, some may not be. One is the family itself. Um, and it's clear uh, that you need to make sure who, who constitutes your family. Some countries um, have, a, have a view that it's only bloodline members. Mm -hmm. um, some are even more extreme in saying it's only bloodline members and, and it's the male gender. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and therefore, you know, you, you exclude women and you exclude anybody that's marrying into the family. Every family has a different way of looking at it, but it's important to know who that grouping is. And from that, very important decisions can be made if you've got 
a family council or whatever, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what all the, all the different organizations are, everything will come back to the family as to what is it you want as a group, what direction you're going, what are the risks, etc. The second grouping uh, very often is the family office. The family office, which is designed very often to manage um, an investment uh, portfolios, um, but it also can be used for, for what are, are labeled in, in, in the business, I suppose, as concierge services, where you know family wants an office that can do all the sorts of things that crop up. And it may be that you know you need somebody who's concentrating on insurance or labor relations with a number of, of, of companies that you own that employ a lot of people um, <clears throat> that you need to be aware of. Whatever it may be, every family office is different, but that family office is, is a crucial structure in, in many of, uh, of the families that uh, we're talking about. And then you've got <clears throat> family-owned enterprises. Uh, these may be ones that the current generation, the current wealth creator has indeed founded mm -hmm. and therefore relatively young, 10, 20 years even, um, if you will, but has the family name firmly on the door. Or they may be family, uh, family controlled enterprises where it's a different name, it's a company that family bought, but they own and control the majority of, of that company. Either way, that company is a big part of, likely to be a big part of the family wealth, and therefore that is a structure that needs to be looked at in terms of managing the risks that relate to those kinds of companies. And many families have a number of companies that, that they, they own partly, uh, as well as maybe owning a particular company that may be in real estate or, or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth structure, if you will, is a family foundation. Um, and that very often, you know, has a particular um, uh, philanthropic uh, focus um, and often has family members uh, very much uh, front and center in the management of such a foundation. Again, a different kind of structure. Mm -hmm. So to recap, you've got your family, your family office, your family owned companies, and then you've got maybe some one or even more family foundations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what have you seen have been the common approaches applied by families of wealth to managing their risk? Well, I think, <clears throat> um, I suppose I'd put it in, in three categories. Um, category one, which is disturbing, I have to say is, um, a rather, you have a conversation with, with a key person and, and the response is, um, yes, um, you know, we know, we know what our risks are, that's fine, we don't really need to discuss it. And that sort of says to me, hmm, um, maybe you think you do, but actually maybe you're not really paying as much attention as you should be. And, and very often, I have to say, and I have seen this on a personal level as well as a financial level, um, you have a disaster that suddenly hits you out of nowhere, as most disasters do. Mm -hmm. And then you think, oh, my goodness, I should have done something about that beforehand. And of course, it's the wake up call. Yes. So that's at one level. At another level, it is 
Um, well, we've got these different organizations and they run reasonably well. And we've got this uh, way of mitigating our risks. And yes, it, the foundation has its board and, and the family office meets and your family members are part of that. Um, of course, members of the family, we don't have a risk sort of approach to things because we know each other so well and all the rest of it. So, you know, they're thinking about managing risk, but they're not applying it necessarily in a very organized, consistent manner across all aspects of what the family is, is, is about. Mm -hmm. And lastly, it is where I would say more where I think people should be thinking, which is looking at risk in a holistic manner. So in a way, rather than just saying, well, I've got a board for the foundation, they've got a risk committee, the governance is all there, no problem, they are working on it. Or you say, fine, I've got you know, the family office, they're well organized and it, it's no problem. And the family, don't worry about it. And if you look at it that way, up to a point that's okay, but family will take their eye off the ball and there will be something that could crop up that they're just simply you know, not aware of. And if I may just com complete this, I will just cite you an example, which has got a lot of publicity at the time. So I'm not um, in, in any way saying something uh, out of order here. In 2018, there was a terrible accident where the Morendi Bridge in Genoa in Italy collapsed, killing 43 people. Mm. That was in August 2018. And it got a huge amount of publicity. Two or three days later, the story began to emerge. And it focused on an infrastructure company called Atalantia, which had a subsidiary that was effectively managing that bridge and indeed controlling the tolls that were taken across it. Mm. And then a few days went by and the bigger story came out that the largest shareholder in that infrastructure company at Atalantia was the Benetton family. Now, the Benetton family, even I suspect probably to the audience that I'm now talking to, is probably known. They've got a global brand name. But what people don't know is that they're not just in clothing. You come to the UK, you come to other parts of Europe and you see the Benetton stores here, there and everywhere. Actually, it's a small part of their business. They're in infrastructure, catering, telecoms, finance, right across the board. And so I use this as an example that the impact on their reputation was horrible. And I suspect many members of the family really had no idea that there was anything really not being properly addressed by the subsidiary that was responsible for the bridge and its ongoing maintenance. And so that to me is something that says, in that case, they had an international brand name and they had real problems for several months afterwards mm -hmm. in dealing with that publicity for something which, you know, they should have been aware of. Wow. Wow. Um, I, I guess it's a lesson that um, all of us 
and, and I think even people who are not families of wealth, um, who have any significant impact on societies or opinions of people have to be aware of that even the smallest of things that associate our names, our brands, ourselves, our family members can have a ripple effect across our integrity, our reputation. And um, at some point it then impacts on our wallets because it's how much people will spend with us, on us and um, supporting us depends on what they believe of us as well. That's absolutely true. Mm, it depends on what they believe of us. And when you're looking at all this um, and putting it all together, what do you think are the important things that families of wealth or families in business, whether they're starting out or are in a space where they're now stewards of wealth, need to really spend time on when they think of risk and shouldn't just dismiss as just something someone else can take care of? Well, I don't want my comments to be treated as being self-serving, but uh -huh. I think that um, if you talk about the generation who is a wealth creator, mm -hmm. they will look at risk from the point of view of the next deal and managing what they've created and what they bought uh, and therefore their whole mindset is a very different one. And let's, let's keep it simple. You say that's the first generation. That wealth then is passed on to the next generation. If you are in the second, third or fourth, whatever generation you may be and you've inherited, the question is <clears throat> whether or not the family as it is, whether it's today or whether it's tomorrow and you're in the second generation, mm -hmm. the first question really is, are you conscious of the fact that you've got many more risks all around you than you, you, you perhaps even thought about? Mm. Um, because I think if you, if you have a rather negative way of looking at it, or, or, or perhaps even an irresponsible way of looking at risk and saying, well, it doesn't really affect me. You know, I, I'm, I'm not that wealthy um, and you know, I'm not that complicated and I know what I'm doing. Even if you've got that mindset, to have a conversation with somebody who can either say, well, actually, everything you say is correct. Mm. Now, that's helpful in the sense that it endorses what your feeling is, and therefore you go away feeling, well, yeah, I'm, I'm on top of it. Mm. But if you've got a situation, you're in a situation where you really are not clear how all of these risks could could, I say, um, manifest themselves in some way, then having some outside advice uh, to give you some kind of roadmap that you might want to look at uh, is, I think, very sensible. And even if you've got very good structures in place, you might say, well, I think, you know, this is a moment where the world is changing so fast. Um, it would be useful to have somebody to just do um, a review of what we've got in place and whether it is working as it should do and whether or not we are missing something. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know, it's, it's, getting, it's getting over that hill of a mindset which is rather defensive in saying, listen, I'm making the money, I know what I'm doing, I take the risks, I buy the company and make a profit and build it and all the rest of it. 
to the point where you're saying, well, yes, but something out of the blue or, or something that is just moving along like technology is changing your risk profile. And if you are the wealth creator, you're not necessarily thinking about all those things. And if you're second, third generation as an inheritor, and, and perhaps not even as so many are, particularly commercially minded, why necessarily would you be? Um, then I think it's even more important to have just somebody take a look and give you an opinion that you can then, you know, consider carefully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Lee, for sharing with us today and for just unpacking what risk is, what the different aspects of a family of families of wealth it would impact and also the approaches that are applied by families of wealth and how they can be a step forward or a step ahead when dealing with risk as we look at it now. Because obviously, I think risk has changed significantly from what it used to be um, 10, 20 years ago to what it is now. No question about that. And obviously the most obvious one is, is the march of technology. Mm -hmm. And technology is changing our lives dramatically. And in so many businesses, uh, it doesn't matter, you don't have to be a big publicly quoted company, mm -hmm. but you can have a business which could be destroyed by technology mm. very easily. Mm -hmm. and, and you need to feel that, you know, you are at least in lockstep to some degree with mm -hmm. the way technology is moving. And mm -hmm. for example, I'm, I'm struck by the number of family offices that have where they're employing let's say 20 or 30 people and therefore that if you will gives you some sense of, of the, the complexity and the size of their wealth mm -hmm. and yet don't have a senior person responsible for it mm. in the family office mm. and i think it's you know i think it's short-sighted yeah and while you're on that when you say it's short-sighted maybe you can give us uh, just an insight to the impact of how that can really end up disastrous for families and fam family offices? Well, I think that, you know, one of the aspects um, that all of us are dealing with these days in business is the power that technology is giving every one of us um, to receive, assemble, digest, and analyze data. Mm-hmm. And I think that's never been, you know, part of life until, let's say, the last 20 years, the last 30 years, maybe, perhaps mm -hmm. in the early parts of the 1990s, it began to, to become, you know, the beginnings of, of people being able to, to, to address data in a completely different way. And you didn't have to have, you know, um, a first class honors from Oxford University in, in mathematics. Yeah. The fact is that data uh, can be analyzed and it's fact um, in, in ways that can be very creative in mm. terms of both managing your risks mm -hmm. as well as obviously developing your business. Absolutely. And so if, if, you, if you embrace that notion and then apply it in your family office or in your businesses or whatever it may be, then you're addressing a number of really key issues that are part of today, everyday life. Mm -hmm. And just looking at um, how we deal with technology, there's so many 
loopholes when it comes to technology. It's not only that, um, it's not just what we post on social media, it's also how we use our cell phones and how we use our laptops. I mean, technology has um, to say, what is the, the, there's this keyword people use, it's at the palm of your hand and equally so, so is um, the risk at the palm of your hand because it's just a straight tweet or just a misplaced Facebook message or an image that went out on Instagram that wasn't meant to, or somebody who goes on the internet and tarnishes your family name and has images and conversations that have been recorded during personal and private uh, discussions, as well as um, just that trust that we have that an email can have um, can be coming from our bank or from our trusted advisor and not really double checking if the email that we're letting through our um, our safety net is indeed from our bank or from our advisor. It's just all these things that we don't look at because we take for granted that we're safe in a space um, which has been taken off the ground because we all know that if you are walking in a foreign city or in a new place, they always say, be careful of your wallet, be careful of your bag, because we cannot really say there are pickpockets, but there are people who've been pickpockets. So we know there are criminals all over the place who can have access to you and your personal stuff that can then use it for ulterior motives. That's absolutely right. And, and, you put it extremely well, Tsitsi. If there's one other element to this, which, play, which is the playback, which I mentioned, I think, earlier, and that is it is also opening up quite a gulf of knowledge between mm. generations in a family. Mm. So one can well imagine that um, family members who are in their 70s and 80s or even older, mm. their knowledge, their interest, their time spend mm. with uh, with any form of technology, whether it's an iPhone or a laptop or whatever, is relatively minimal to a 10-year-old who at mm -hmm. the moment is already way up and way beyond most of us on the video games and whatever. And then you get to the teenagers and whatever they do, apropos of some of the comments that you've been making, mm -hmm. and then you get into their 20s where they're part of the family group and they're beginning to form some quite strong opinions mm. about why, dad, can't you get around this issue of technology? We have to embrace it kind of statement. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you can see at each, each level, this is, it's almost the reverse of the pyramid, uh, mm. as I use the expression, <laughs> that pyramids have always been, you grow up, your mummy and daddy are, are your two key figures. You go to primary school and a teacher enters, then you go to the next level and you go to university, we've reached a point now where some of the 10-year-olds are actually giving a fairly interesting education session to their grandfather about how to use his iPhone. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And uh, it, it makes really for uh, interesting conversations. And I think for today, we're going to leave it here and um, leave people to just think and spend some time thinking about what really is a risk to us as a family? What is risk to us as individuals? And how can we protect our families, ourselves from this risk? And if not protect, mitigate it and um, minimize it 
as we see it coming towards us and be conscious of the fact that there is risk across the board as we navigate lives. Is there any final parting words you'd like to share with our audience today? Um, I hope that, that what we've said um, to, to all of you is, is something that uh, is helpful, something that um, the good thing about these podcasts is that you can replay it if you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I would just say that this is such an important subject. And when you feel that a family has built its reputation over a long period of time, has built the family wealth, you are the second generation and the inheritor of that. And you, you have a responsibility um, going forward to the next generation about the protection of the wealth as much as building it. And so I think if we've done, Titi, uh, introducing me to you, something between us that is helpful to you, then I feel that it's been a good day. Indeed, indeed. Thank you once again, Lee. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much.